Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links on this Thursday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Apologies for the delay, million things happening, multitasking, so forth and so on. So we have to do this show and there's so much to discuss. But before we get into that, you guys and gals, the listeners of BTL, because of this delay, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a gift. All right. I'm going to let you control some narrative here on the show. Not only will you be voting for the winner of the show this week in the soon to be displayed poll on the YouTube chat. We're also going to let you, at least one of you anyways, get some credit for creating the knockout round question. So if you have a fun MMA related, a little bit spicy topic for this final round, have at it. Put in the chat. Casey will uh, will scoop them up. He'll pick the best one. We'll flash it on the screen. That's how we'll end the show. But let's get into this. Let us introduce the participants first. He is the brand new commissioner of the PFL, apparently. And you can check out. <laughs> His first five draft picks for the 2022 season over at MMAfighting.com, or you can listen to them on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, the multi-time BTL champ, Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, sir. Or should I say Commissioner Mishu? Look, we're doing great things with the smart cage. I'm really excited about our future. Bruno Capelos is fighting tonight. You know, that's a thing. So, so tune into the PFL because also, it's coming to Hotlanta, to a place that no one knows about, but it's coming to Atlanta nonetheless. The PFL, we're on the rise, baby. Let's go. And now we introduce a, a very busy individual. He's been a part of all iterations of this show over the years. He'll be mm-hmm. ready for some, some home cooking next week, covering UFC 274 right in his backyard of Phoenix, Arizona. We welcome back from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jose Youngs. Hello, my friend. 
what's up guys decided to bust out the sleeveless shirt today because it is exceptionally hot today and i'm going to dread walking through downtown phoenix with all my camera gear tomorrow so i uh, was trying to stay cool and again i called out another person he didn't show so you gave me the walmart version of him also from i guess the same state let's bring it on there we go jad your uh <laughs> your response to this before we get into the first topic I, I don't need to talk trash to Jose. One, I'm clearly not the Walmart version of Connor, but we did go to UGA. Uh, I'll let him have his beef with Connor. You know, they can settle up. We've I've handled Jose plenty of times before, so hmm. I, I don't need I don't need to to bring myself to his level. I've got things to do with the smart cage. Okay, I'm focused <laughs> on taking things to the top. Uh, the MMA, the MMA draft is so tremendous. Go read it. Go listen to it. I don't know if I've ever had so much fun on a day off of my entire life. But let's get into this, gentlemen. Let's begin with the biggest story in combat sports right now: Tyson Fury and Fury planting the seeds for a fight with the UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. Ngannou goes into the ring after Fury picks apart and then absolutely annihilates Dillian White in the sixth round in front of 94,000 plus in London. Francis goes on the MA hour, said the fight with Fury will happen. And if the UFC wants to keep him on the roster, that has to be part of the negotiations. So Jed Mishu, a few days have passed since the greatest post-fight show in MMA fighting history took place and we discussed this in the almost immediate aftermath five days later is the idea of these two men fighting more enticing less enticing or have you feeling exactly the same as you did on saturday night i feel i feel almost exactly the same because excitement was never the issue or, or the the point that was a, a problem here i'm not that excited about it i'm fine with it and it'll be it'll be a fun exciting thing that happens even if it is a foregone conclusion for the outcome it will still be an interesting thing we haven't had a lot of these crossover fights before and when you have you know the two best guys in their respective sports competing that is at least some level of interesting even if we all know how it's going to go so it's not about the excitement level but I feel extremely confident that this fight is going to happen. I feel I, I was pretty confident on our post-fight show. I'm even more so now because I think Francis Ngannou just desperately wants it, and Tyson Fury is is willing to do it. Uh, you know, I, I know that you know my opponent was very into Tyson Fury doing a bunch of boxing things, and maybe that still happens. I'm not here to say that Tyson Fury won't decide he wants to have a 500 million dollar fight with the winner of Joshua Usyk. If he does, great. I'm buying it. I'm tuning in. That's an awesome fight. But he can do that and bide his time until next summer, at which point Francis Ngannou, is, he's going all out. You heard him You heard him this week say, if there is no world I re-sign with the UFC if boxing is not an option. I think the only reason he does that is because he feels truly like the, that Fury will give him this opportunity and he is going to take it if it happens. And so he is setting himself up to do it. And there's no reason for Fury not to do it, frankly. Like, wh why would Fury pass on this? For what reason would he be like, I don't want to do this? He's going to take that free big old paycheck that comes with it. So I'm feeling even more confident that this is what happens. Um, but my excitement level is about the same. 
Jose, I may, maybe we won't use the word excitement level because you have been staunchly mm-hmm. on the other side mm-hmm. of the excitement discussion. So has your stance mm-hmm. changed at all? Has your interest levels risen even one inch? Because I can't imagine that they could have fallen any more than where they were at on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to... A lot of people are under the the misconception that I don't want this fight to happen, period. I just don't want it to happen next because we keep here. Like, if it happens, I'm going to watch it because weird freak show fights will drum up any interest in anybody, especially like, uh, like in the comic book world, whenever Marvel and DC did things, I was very interested in it. But in the grand scheme of things, it didn't do anything for any or storyline I was interested in. Now, we keep talking about Tyson Fury, Box, and Francis Ngannou next. I don't want that at all because we keep saying like, and there's a lot of people saying, oh, this like the Usyk-Joshua fight will always be there. He can always go back and do that. That's not true. The best Tyson Fury we have right now is right now. There is not, as my opponent said, there is not an outcome outside of Tyson Fury mollywhopping Francis Ngannou that is going to happen. He could take two years off from boxing and probably still be Francis Ngannou. I want to see prime Tyson Fury fight prime Usyk or Anthony Joshua, and then you know what else will still be there? The Francis Ngannou fight. Let Francis Ngannou heal up, and then when Tyson Fury makes history and cements himself as a top five heavyweight in the history of boxing, then that fight gets that much bigger because if he beats the winner of Joshua and Usyk, he becomes the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, something that very few people have done and no one has done since Lennox Lewis retired and vacated all the belts. He needs to do that for his legacy. And everyone keeps saying, you can't buy your lunch with legacy. His legacy fight just happens to be his biggest money fight as well against the winner of Joshua Usyk. I also do not like this 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 narrative that Francis Ngannou deserves this. I hate the word deserve because that is very subjective. If we're talking about deserving, if Alexander Usyk wins, he would have four of the five belts and in the middle of a war where he was on the front line. Tell me who doesn't deserve a uh, a shot at unification from someone that is basically like leaving his country behind to go do a sport. So like the phrase deserve needs to be struck from the lexicon of this fight. Cause I hate it. I had, I've had difficulties in life. I deserve to watch an undisputed heavyweight title fight. That's my, that's my stance on that. But my interest level in this fight is the same. I don't want it next, but if it happens in like a year or so, so be it. I just want an undisputed heavyweight champion in my life. That was a uh, a very good speech right there. So I'm I'm gonna stick with you, Jose, because you're on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Because we have Fran Saganu, a guy who is becoming mm-hmm. a bigger star for the UFC every time he fights, and he's not really doing it through the UFC's promotional machine. He's sort of doing mm-hmm. it on his own. If we're being honest, now the UFC has an interesting decision to make here. You could help your heavyweight champion. Get a big fight with Tyson Fury, something you'll probably be able to get a little bit of a sliver out of in some way that could be worked out and negotiated. No one expects Francis to win, as both of you have alluded to. So his value in the eyes of MMA fans certainly would not drop. Francis gets paid. UFC gets a little sliver of that. He's happy. I mean, there's a lot of positives here, Jose. UFC executive, we're going to put that hat on you right now. How are you feeling about this right now? Like, are you go if you work for the UFC executive committee right here? Are you going mm-hmm. into the boardroom and putting Francis over for this spot? 
to fight Tyson Fury, if I'm the UFC, that's what I want to do. If there is no part of Francis Ngannou that wants to re-sign with the UFC unless you add Tyson Fury, I would just, you know, do the Conor thing. Like, at the end of the day, the UFC is going to want a piece of the pie, and it's going to be a massive number. It's not going to be as big as Fury Joshua. That's not going to happen. I'll say it again. But Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou is probably number two, number three most valuable option for Tyson Fury now outside of, like, Mike Tyson getting a time machine and coming from the from the past to fight him. But if I'm the UFC and I want a piece of the pie, I at least bend a little bit to Francis Ngannou. You did it to Conor McGregor. If I'm Francis Ngannou, I don't want that to happen, obviously, because if you don't include the UFC, you get a bigger piece of the pie. And you don't have to give any to the UFC. But if I'm the UFC and you lock up your heavyweight champion uh, for the foreseeable future and you let him go do this boxing thing, I think that would be best case scenario for the UFC because, like you said, him losing, which he will, will not hurt him in the eyes of MMA fans or in the MMA world, and he'll get that much. He'll become that much bigger, bigger of a star, and he has to come back to you after. If he doesn't resign, he goes to fight Tyson Fury, gets more of the pie, and then can sign wherever he wants or just keep boxing. You get nothing. So, if you want something out of it, resign. Give Francis what he wants. Get, let him fight Tyson Fury. Increase his salary, and at pro, the UFC is not going to be happy, obviously, because Francis is get, is becoming popular without them. But that's probably best case scenario if they want any sort of monetary value from this hypothetical silly goose fight. Jed, the UFC, Dana White. I know you're not really focused on them because you're running the PFL right now, but they have to be aware of the situation. Francis wanted to be, you know renegotiating his contract with this as basically priority one. Give me the Tyson Fury fight or we ain't coming to a deal. Now we all know how stubborn and petty this organization can be. And listen, they're a multi-billion dollar company. They're doing the backstroke on the ceiling of the corporate offices and stacked hundos right now. They don't need Francis Ngannou. So in the end, losing him doesn't really crush them, but it certainly doesn't hurt to keep him happy and in the promotion. So what do you think they are thinking right now? Do you think they're thinking about, Hey, Let's get this guy the Tyson Fury fight. Let's make this dude happy or let it let, let us just push him right out the door. Go fight Tyson. Good luck, son. They don't give two tugs of a dead dog's tail about Tyson, about Francis Ngannou's happiness. That is just not a thing that matters to them. Um, I think they are thinking the same thing they've been pretty overtly thinking. We're not going to do this and we will call his bluff. And if it is not a bluff, then okay, we've already moved on. I mean, shit, they moved on as soon as Ngannou they, – they tried like hell to get Ngannou to lose. They, they gave him gone and were like, hopefully Sewer Gone will just solve this problem for us. He didn't, and now they're in this, now they're in this room. But they immediately moved on and were like, all right, well, yeah, he's going to be out. He's not going to fight, whatever. We're going to make an interim title. And they're trying to put John Jones and Stipe Miocic in an interim title, you know, maybe in the fall – Maybe not because, you know, I take anything John Jones says with a huge helping of salt. But if they're trying to do that, they've already functionally moved on from the same way that when Henry Cejudo said, I've retired unless you paid me more money. Dana said, cool, I'm going to give that belt to Piotr Jan and we're done with you. Bye. He's chucking the twos at Ninganu. They're gone. Throw deuces, man. It, it just is what it is. They they aren't going to do this for whatever reason maybe it's pettiness maybe it's stubbornness maybe it is just recognizing that they conceded once and because they conceded this the one time this is now a semi-ever-present thing because boxing is where fighters can make more money than in the ufc because the ufc is a 
terrible organization that doesn't pay fighters what they're worth. So now they're getting more and more fighters wanting to go box. They want to go box Jake Paul and do all this stuff. And they're just not going to give that any bit of kindling to light a match with because they don't want to have to deal the same thing with Kamaru Usman down the line. Even though Usman is even less likely to get a fight uh, with Canelo Alvarez and Tyson Fury is because ain't nobody other than Kamaru and Kamaru's immediate family want to see that fight. It, it, they just don't want to have to have the conversation. And it is – Nganu is not worth it to them from a value prop to have him maybe go lose, maybe dampen his value or the UFC value, however you want to view it. Uh, maybe he gets injured. Maybe he goes and fights Fury and then just does never come back. And then they've gained really nothing from this, but allowed him to do it and maybe get a small piece of that action. They're just, they're just, they've drawn a line in the sand and they're not going to let him go. It's ridiculous, by the way, that they can draw this line in the sand because. Boxing is not MMA, and so there's no reason that Francis Ngannou shouldn't be able to go compete in an entirely different sport than the one he is under contract with. But it is what it is. They're not going to move, and so Ngannou is not coming back to them, uh, I, I don't think. If life were an MMA fighting article, Francis Ngannou would be in a great position right now because he'd be with Eagle FC. We would allow this fight to happen. We would allow any boxing fight to happen. But that's neither here nor there. So last thing on this, there's talks about whether it be next or at least sometime in the future. So let's play this game. Jed, true or false? By this time next year, this fight is signed. May not have happened yet, but this fight will be on the books. Fury and Ganu, some weird combat sports matchup by this time next year. True. I think that I think this fight happens. Mm. Probably not next May, just because that's usually when Canelo Canelo likes to fight, you know, May fifth or whatever. Um, but if if Canelo's injured, wouldn't it be shocked if they tried to snake that weekend. But I think early next summer, so this fight will be signed. We will be moving full steam ahead towards towards the fight that will make Jose the most unhappy man in MMA media, but will make me happy because I can spend months arguing for a tetherball match between these two, <laughs> two big old behemoths who can just swat that damn thing. Jose, true or false? Same question. By this time next year, you and Jed are back on BTL debating whether or not this is the right decision to actually put this fight on the books because it will be done. Signed, probably true. Uh, it won't happen in May because, you know, May 5th or whatever, you know, Cinco de Mayo, as we call it in my, you know, culture, um, important date, which which Canelo will box on for the rest of time and he won't be injured ever for that white, but probably true. Uh, it'll be on the books. Just won't have happened yet because also Francis Gano had pretty bad knee surgery. So let's wait for him to heal up before you can even talk about a boxing match. Look, for Francis's sake, I hope he gets it. I would love to see him get that payday. And I think it's part of the UFC thing. I think he's a man of principle. I think he will come back and fulfill his UFC obligations. But if not, he makes more money. We'll see if there is fun to be had in the combat sports world. There will be more fun to be had here in the virtual combat sports world that is BTL on this program. But the first point of this match goes to... Suns out, guns out, Jose Youngs. It is one to nothing. Excellent start. Let's go back more into the MMA sphere. Let's talk about this past weekend because we had a lot of MMA. We had two Bellator events in Hawaii. We had three title fights. We had four five-round fights. 
We had two new champions crowned in Liz Carmouche and Rafion Stotts, the latter being an interim title. Chris Cyborg retained her title on Saturday. The UFC was back in the apex as well with Jessica Andrade strangling Amanda Lemos with the standing arm triangle in the first round of that main event and some other notable things that came out of that card as well. So, Jose, we start with you. Who won the weekend overall in MMA? Before we get to the whole MVP chatter, was this a Bellator victory or a UFC victory? Hmm. Probably Bellator, simply because they had a lot of fights, and I think there were more talking points coming out of it, both in the minds of diehard fans and the media. Like you had Sabatelli, you had Cyborg, you got a new interim uh, bantamweight, uh, interim bantamweight champion. The Anthony Medeiros fight was a banger. You just re-signed Anthony Medeiros, so you basically just guaranteed a bunch of banger of fights moving forward. Uh, so probably them. I think the Andrade. The, the last like the, the Andrade Lemos main event was obviously very high level uh, stuff but the rest of that card obviously left much to be desired so I'm going to say Bellator they just seem to have more storylines coming out of it and how often do we hear about us talking about like oh I can't wait for so and so to fight so and so in Bellator and that's what we're getting with Sabatelli and Ruf Beyond Stotts sign me up for all of that so I'm going to say Bellator is the big winner Jed, agree or disagree? Are you uh, on Team Bellator coming out this weekend, or do you think the UFC went out there and, and snuck one away with their one event against two Bellator events? Man, no love for KSW, Sebastian Prisman, you know, getting a, getting a, a, a second-round submission, one of maybe one of the top 15 135ers in the world. Fine, fine, Mike. Okay, we're I see we're at. We're UFC Bellator only. Uh, give me Bellator, though. Um, they... I don't know. The UFC card felt like no one cared. Um, hell yeah, Jessica Andrade. She's awesome and one of the most exciting fighters in the world. But honestly, there's not a lot to add to what Jose said. The, the Bellator had there, – there are too many fights. I watched all of them, covered both events for us. They they didn't really need to do back-to-back events. They could have just made one super awesome card. But the fights are mostly good. And all of the fights that mattered were actually really good. So, you know, uh, for 278, obviously the Carmouche thing was ended in a way that leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But uh, the two play-in fights for for the, the Grand Prix, uh, Enrique Barzola looked awesome. And Danny Sabatello, this is – I want to be extremely clear – this is a Danny Sabatello podcast now. I, whoever's on, whoever's competing – they are contractually obligated to rep Danny Sabatello because as the man told us himself, he's really effing good and Leandro Ego sucks. And that was one <laughs> of the best promos that's ever happened in the sport. So for that alone, they would have won. But then 279 was great. I mean, Cyborg Blenkow was way more fun than anyone thought it would be, um, even if it was mostly one-way traffic. Arlene Blenkow is tough as hell, so props to her. Ralphian Stotts taking the Ralphian Stotts taking the uh, title, the interim title, whatever, with the knee head kick thing uh, over Juan Archuleta, who's a guy I respect a tremendous amount. Um, and Patchy Mix just turning our rankings up up on its head. Basically, we talked about it on the ranking show this week uh, because everyone really likes Kyoji Horiguchi, essentially at MMA fighting, and we think he's really good. 
and then Patchy Mix beat him. That really screwed up like our entire bantamweight rankings. And now suddenly Bellator has four bantamweights in in the MMA Fighting Global rankings, the only rankings that matter. So uh, I I think it has to be Bellator just from the overall quality and and the importance of what they delivered this week or last week. Now, Jed, you ran off a lot of uh, a lot of significant moments that happened through the weekend. There were a lot of fights, as you mentioned. There were some results that were surprising. There were results that were not so surprising. So, who was the MVP of the weekend? If you can only give out one MVP award for the whole weekend from these two cards, I know KSW, we love you, but just not here. Who stole the show in your eyes, and and why? Dude, it's the answer. I'm I'm gonna give. Give Jose Ruffian Stotts, who's the second best answer. It's Danny Sabatello. Uh, I know that he was just a play-in guy, but that promo is, I'm not kidding, the best promo since like uh, maybe Conor McGregor, we're not here to take part, we're here to take over. Just an unbelievable mic drop moment from him. It was no perfect every step of the way. And he has somehow, he's done the impossible. He, if there is a man alive who is going to suddenly make people say, I could, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in what's going to happen over in Bellator. It's, it's that dude, man. That was an unbelievable effort for him. A great fight, a great performance, and an even better performance on the mic. And so while Ralvian Stotts takes the title and was not too bad on the mic himself, give me the guy who's really effing good. Uh, because my most anticipated fight for Bellator this year now is to watch him beat up Leandro Higo, who we now know sucks. We did not know it before, but now we know that he sucks. And so I'm excited to watch the guy who sucks lose to the guy who's really effing good. Jose. (laughs) Jose, your MVP. Well, I was going to say Rufian Stotts, but since my uh, opponent decided that he was going to answer for me, I decided to change my mind as soon as he said that. So the winner of the week, I would say it's Chris Cyborg because, uh, you know, her contract is coming up. So obviously you want to go out on a win when you're about to enter free agency a la Michael Chandler because then you can ask for a load of money to do whatever you want to do so Chris Cyborg, I think a lot of us thought she was going to just starch Arlene Blanco in like what a under a round i think a lot of us said a round and a half one and a half rounds two rounds whatever what five rounds hard fought fight the fact that we had that like it's not the answer but the fact that in the post show we were like what was was this the best fight of the weekend the answer was no because that was the pfl fight between jeremy stevens and um Wow, uh, Chase Collard. Uh, I mean, that Clay Collard. That's the best fight of the weekend. This is probably two or three. So the fact that we're putting a five-round Chris Cyborg rematch in that conversation, kudos to you. You went out on a hard-fought win. You did an Akuma punch in the first round, which is just straight out of street, street Fighter. A very absurd technique to use, but the fact that a video game technique worked in real life, kudos to you again. And now you could go sign a bunch of money to fight Kayla Harrison and actually, you know throw yourself back into the mix of is Chris Cyborg the best female fighter in the world? Because if she goes out there and just dismantles Kayla Harrison, the answer is probably yes. And if Kayla Harrison gets to dismantle Chris Cyborg, she makes a lot of money and then she cements her own legacy. So I would say Chris Cyborg uh, winning probably her last fight on her Bellator contract, going out on a high note, using an Akuma punch, going five round hard fought fight. She's the big winner. And Jose a lot, I mean... I have to assume that Valentina Shevchenko got hit by a bus for Cyborg mm. to suddenly be the best fight. And and like a big bus, because as we've discussed before, if she gets hit by a small one, 
she's going to do more damage to the mm-hmm. bus. Well, I guess my reason would be if Chris Cyborg beats Kale Harrison, that's a bigger win than anyone Valentin has ever had in MMA. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Not so if Chris Cyborg beats Kayla Harrison, she is right there in the conversation again. I think a lot of people kind of push her to third or fourth now after Valentin and Amanda and Kayla. If Chris yeah. goes out there and just smushes Kayla Harrison, she has to be one C. She's certainly in the conversation. Yes. I'm just I'm trying to figure out if if I think beating Kayla Harrison is better than beating Holly Holm. Is it better than Joanna at flyweight? That's another thing you got to add in. That's there. also, I don't know. The Juliana Pena win has aged very well. Yes, it has. <laughs> and when she Bye. beats her again later this year, it's going to be. But the thing is, the thing <laughs> is like, Mike, Mike, you said it a lot in Jacksonville when you interviewed people that when Hamza fought Gilbert Burns or when Hamza was on the rise, it was just a matter of fact of he was going to just eat his opponent. That's Kayla Harrison mm-hmm. in the women's division. That's Kayla Harrison. Everyone just assumes she's going to win. So if Chris Cyborg goes out there and has a hyper-competitive fight or just crushes her, the fact, like, what we would be talking about with Gilbert Burns if he had beaten Hamza would be the same thing, you know. We have odds on that fight somewhere? It's got to be somewhere. We'll see if we can find it, at least especially, by, the, by the preview show tomorrow. Especially if Chris, Chris Cyborg goes up to 155 to fight her and beats her, that would be even more impressive. Oh wow, Chris Cyborg is a favorite is a favorite yeah. in a hypothetical matchup. Minus minus two hundred. Wow. wow. I didn't think it would be that That's high, crazy. but I would probably I, favor Chris. I would not have thought it would right be now. that high either. Yeah, I didn't think it would be minus two hundred. By the way, shout out to you, Danny Sabatello. I'm jumping on the train because I've been on the show and I've been telling people that Danny Sabatello should have been in this damn tournament from Jump Street. That it should have been a 16 man tournament just to put him in. The commenters laughed, the panelists laughed, all of you laughed, and now you're looking at the platinum hair and the big shades and the promo A plus. Well done, Danny Sabatello. You are the MVP of the weekend. There was some fun stuff for sure. We're going to close out the show with this weekend stuff. But first, some triple C talk. That's why you're all here. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's keep that conversation going. Yeah. Point for round two. Goes to the president of the Henry Cejudo fan club, Jed Mishu. It is one to one. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And by the way, Jed Mishu... Jed Jed reached out before we recorded the MMA draft show and he said, please, please, can you bring up the Henry Cejudo comeback question? He was very excited about this. So let's mm. talk about it because you are uh, you are the PFL president, Jed Mishu, because in all honesty, I have been very open and honest about how I feel about the situation, but it continues to come up. Henry Cejudo retiring when he did was probably the worst miscalculation. One of the worst <laughs> readings of the room maybe in the history of sports. I mean, just really terrible timing. What an awful misfire. Basically, Suhudo had a beach ball coming at him with a cartoon-sized tennis racket in his hands, and he swung 20 times, and he missed them all, and it created like a tornado, maybe a hurricane of swings and misses. And now two years later, with little to no demand, Henry Suhudo is coming back, folks. Look. I'm not hating on Cejudo. Make that money. The guy's resume might be the best ever in combat sports. So it is not. the competitor, Henry Cejudo, no issue with. The problem is nobody seems to care all that much. At least that's what I see, and that's my opinion. So, Jose, Cejudo is coming back, it looks like. Fans don't seem to care all that much. Dana White certainly doesn't seem to care all that much or even believe him at this point. You are the man who says, I don't believe it until both men are locked in the cage. Mm -hmm. Your reaction to this comeback or this potential comeback of Triple C. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. The second he retired, I'm like, he'll be back because it's not like he was retiring because he was hurt, because he was old or washed out or anything. He just wanted, you know, to make a lot more money. And then it didn't come his way. And then all of a sudden, a lot of outspoken bantamweights and, you know, he wanted to do the history uh, fight against Alex Volkanovsky, but obviously Dana was wary for probably a couple of reasons. Uh, one, Henry Cejudo left him high and dry as a double, as essentially a double champion. That obviously pissed him off too. He doesn't want another George St. Pierre fiasco to happen where an, a retired fighter comes out, beats a guy in a weight class above him, and then immediately retires again because that just, you know, you look silly there again. So a lot of, I was not sold on that fight ever happening unless Henry Cejudo which again, I wasn't even confident he would would stay at featherweight because he is a, he would be an exceptionally small featherweight. Like imagine him fighting Yair and Max and Zabit and all those guys. Like it's not going to happen. Him coming back at bantamweight was always a lot more feasible to me. There, there's not a lot of you know fights that he would take at flyweight, especially now that his teammate uh, Figueredo is the champion. And maybe the Moreno fight down the road because there is uh, beef there. But the, 
the fights to make were always a bantamweight. Uh, Pure Yan talks like a type of trash similar to Habib, where it's very matter-of-fact and scary Russian. Aljo, for as corny and cringy as he is, can also like you know get into verbal sparring matches with Henry Cejudo. They're both high-level wrestlers. From Their backgrounds are high-level wrestlers. Obviously, Henry Cejudo's won an Olympic gold medal. His is a little higher. The TJ Dillashaw rematch at 135 was always there, too. The Dominic Cruz fight, the Jose Aldo fight, which was booked at one point before you know everything fell apart. So the, the more interesting fights both in terms of selling point uh with both guys verbally sparring and actual competitiveness 135 was always the 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 weight class i wanted him to come back at i'm just very surprised i'm not surprised he's coming back i'm very surprised that henry cejudo is now tweeting about aljermaine i thought he would be all aboard the fighting volkanovsky train especially when volkanovsky said like yeah i'll fight you if no one at Featherweight is going to cement themselves as dumb Morgan contender, why not fight Henry Cejudo? So I thought that was going to be the route that Henry Cejudo would take, just keep on going after Volkanovski. I bet he had a conversation with UFC Brass. They're like, chill out with the Featherweight thing, maybe down the line, but for now, focus on Bantamweight. So that's what he's doing. Uh, so I'm more surprised that he's going after Bantamweights. He's like pivoted very hard to now want to reclaim his Bantamweight title. So not surprised he's coming back. I am surprised he's focusing on Bantamweight. Jed, your thoughts and uh, your thoughts on Jose's comments there, because he makes a lot of sense. And I and we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago, which is off topic. We weren't even planning on talking about it. And we both went on kind of a rant about this. We both sort of felt that if you were going to make the Volkanovsky fight, you made it. You should have made it for the Jacksonville event because there's your chance. Holloway out. There's your chance. You got zombie. Cool. But if you're going to do it like that was the time to do it. And they didn't. So. What do we think now? A couple of weeks later, Cejudo's coming back. Do you care? Your thoughts? I have many thoughts. The first one is that I do not care, like like even a little bit. I just don't. Henry Cejudo has managed to make me not like him and not in the good way where I will watch him lose in the way where my happiest scenario is he just vanishes from the sport and I no longer have to think about him. And I did not feel this way prior to his retirement. I was like, oh, Henry Cejudo. Like, I don't know, this King of Cringe stuff is real weird, but, like, pretty, pretty damn good fighter. Love to watch him compete. Now I'm just mostly, like, I would love to not have him on my timeline. That would be chef's kiss beautiful. And for the record, we did the fantasy MMA draft. We took 25 fighters, including luminaries like Brandon Moreno and Renier de Ritter, and Henry stayed on the sidelines. So... I don't think I'm alone in believing that no one cares about this man who is just for the record, not the greatest combat sports athlete of all time because winning a UFC belt does not really register in the global scheme of combat sports. I'm sorry. MMA is a great sport and we love it. It's been around for about 30 years and does not have the lineage and history of winning multiple titles in say seven weight classes in professional boxing or multiple gold medals in wrestling or judo. So sorry, Henry, you're just not that, uh, to Jose's point. I don't even know if Henry had to have a conversation with the UFC brass because you can pretty much establish what Henry's going to do by just looking at it and thinking, what is the most obvious transparently self-interested move possible? Because that's what Henry has done for the past three years. Functionally. Uh, He knew he is not going to get a featherweight title fight. 
I would venture to say he's never going to get one, but he's certainly not going to get one coming back regardless of what happens. I don't care if Alexander Volkanovsky plants a flag in the ground and says, I will only fight Henry Cejudo. Dana White is not going to open himself up to a second GSP scenario. He just ain't going to do it. Man got burned once. He's not going to get burned again. And so knowing that he now has to come back and win a fight, his options are, well, I can go try and fight Max Holloway who will beat my ass or I can try and go fight more winnable fights at Bantamweight, reclaim the belt, and then potentially use that as leverage so the UFC can at least promote a super fight of champion versus champion down the road. I don't think that will happen. Again, I I truly do not believe they will let Henry Cejudo fight for the featherweight title unless he commits to fighting as a featherweight because if he did win, and he would not, Volkanovski would defeat him, but if he did win, that man would retire in the ring instantaneously. There is not a chance in hell if he ever wins the 145 strap that he is fighting again. There just ain't no friggin' way. And there's no incentive for the UFC to want him to do it. So he, he put himself in a box with all of this. He's made himself substantially more annoying and less interesting for guys like me. And it's all just kind of where it is. Like, if he comes back and fights Aljo on the merits, that's a great fight. I'll watch the hell out of it for that reason. But no one's clamoring for it. And I still think that there's a fair chance he doesn't actually come back and compete because he's just said it so much. I I need to see him in the cage before I say, yeah, he's actually going to fight. And even then, my level of care is very low. Just going back to the draft, Vicente Luque went in the draft before Henry Cejudo did. Just putting well, that, that out there. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a great pick. I'm Vicente happy. Luque. I'm thrilled. And the and the beauty of it is I still get Henry over at Eagle FC, at least on the commentary side of things, which is just I will also fantastic. – I feel confident saying that we could have gone another five rounds. We could have done 10 rounds and 50 fighters, and I don't think Henry was coming off the board. Like, I just truly don't think anyone's trying to take that man. Super hot take. I would have taken Jake Paul over Henry Cejudo. Just throwing oh, that yeah. out there. It's a business move. It's a business move. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Jed, you got the magic pencil now. Let's just say all your doubts go away. Henry's coming back. We know he's tough to deal with because if I am if I get the mighty pencil, he's not getting a title shot. He's not fighting Aljo. He's certainly not fighting Volkanovski. He's certainly not going to fight Figgy. If Moreno beats Figgy, maybe. Maybe do Moreno versus Ahudo. There's a story there. But let's just say he has two options. 135, 145, Bantamweight, Featherweight. You could do Sterling. There's Dillashaw. There's Aldo. You could do Holloway. You could do Volk. You could do Cater, Allen, Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, Ilya Taporia. You name it. Are you giving Cejudo an immediate title fight? If so... Who is he fighting? It's just not Volkanovski, obviously. So is he getting Sterling? If he's not, who is he getting? I if I if I got to choose and we're throwing all the rules out, I'd probably give him like Isla Makachev just because I want him to lose. <laughs> but if we're trying to stay at least in the framework of reality, uh give him Max Holloway, because Max will solve this problem for us real fast. Max will beat the hell out of him, and then we don't have to deal with Henry again. Then if Henry wants to be a 135-er and just do that, great. Uh, but then we just don't have to deal with the problem again. If you're if you're keeping him at 135, uh, I don't have a huge issue with you giving him a title fight right out of the gate. 
I don't I still don't think you need to though because if we're being honest, he he doesn't deserve one. <laughs> he 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 won the belt by knocking out Marlon Marais for a vacant title, a win that has aged about as well as Milk, uh, given where Marlon's career went. Uh, and then he defended against Dominic Cruz, a man who has physically aged as well as Milk because he's 104 in fight years. So those two wins do not scream to me that he deserves a title fight over contra- uh, hot take TJ Dillashaw, the man he knocked out at flyweight. Hey, flyweight isn't freaking bantamweight. So give TJ a fight over that or someone like Jose Aldo. So I, I would want him to fight first. I recognize that's probably not what would happen, but I would say, let him fight Corey Sandhagen. Like if he beats Corey Sandhagen, I'm have a title fight. Uh, but you know, that's I, I'm sure that I will be in the minority with that take. That's an excellent idea, by the way. Jose, what are we doing here? You got the magic pencil, Cejudo mm-hmm. versus Blank. How are you booking it? Uh, Cejudo's going to fight Peter Yan, the fight that should have happened instead of Yan versus Aldo on Fight Island, considering that was for the vacant Bantamweight title. So Yan gets to fight Cejudo. Winner can get the number one contender shot against the winner of Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Jose Aldo will fight Dominic Cruz. It has to happen now before the two get more old and injured. Corey Sanhagen can fight the winner of Rob Font versus Cheeto Vera. Uh, Marab can fight uh, probably the winner of, I don't even know, maybe, maybe, maybe he gets the winner of Fawn Cheeto. Uh, Sean O'Malley will probably fight Adrian Giannis. Frankie Edgar will probably fight Ricky Simone. Uh, Pedro Munoz versus, I don't know, fill in the blank. So there's a lot of fun fights at Bantamweight, but Piotr Yana is going to fight Henry Cejudo if I have the, the matchmaking, the matchmaking pen and everything else I just said will happen as well. I will say this. If Henry signs on for either of those fights, I'm not going to say my stance changes all that much until he gets in the cage and fights. But if he goes out and beats either of those guys, then he gets all my respect. I will come on this program and I will uh, I will sing his praises. I won't. For sure. I think Jan is the fight. It just makes the most sense in the fact that Jan, if Jan beats Cejudo, you can't argue he gets the, the winner, you know, the next title shot because he would have essentially beaten the guy that never lost the title. And if Cejudo beats Jan, he never lost the title, and he just beat the number one ranked Bantamweight after the current champion. See, I think that's that, why I don't like it, though, because sure. I, I don't – I want Piotr Jan to win two two freaking fights. Like, he's, he's lost twice to him, and I know that mm-hmm. I, a lot of people don't take that, but, like, I, I want – to see Jan versus Marab just because I think that that's a fun storyline. And then you could do the Cejudo thing. I'm not, I'm not against that fight at all. Cejudo Jan is a great fight on the merits, but like, I just don't want a world where Piotr Jan can challenge for the belt again. Cause it just starts to feel like we're just trying to make him the champion and like, come on, we don't need to do that. It's just such weird timing because Henry Cejudo, the coach was actually getting really interesting getting in the coach of the year conversations and things like that. Some of the things he was doing with some of these fighters that went over to fight ready, seeing what Davis and Figueredo did and the adjustments he made. We're seeing John Jones going over to fight ready. We're seeing Yuri freaking Prohashka go over to fight ready. Like if Yuri goes out there and beats Glover, which he will not, then I mean, come on. He's, he's right in that conversation. Can you imagine how different the narrative is if instead of Henry retiring, immediately saying he was doing it because he wants more money, the UFC laughing at him and crowning a new champion, and then him chirping incessantly for a year about getting a title fight at a weight class he's never competed at, 
If instead he just actually retired, walked away at the cruise win, said, I've proved all I need to prove. I did this in wrestling. I retired at 21 or whatever it was in wrestling after I, I won a gold medal. I had nothing left to prove there. Uh, you know, I value my health. I'm going to go on. I'm going to transition into coaching. And for the last year and a half, he had not said shit about coming back. He had not chirped at Volk at all. And instead, he was just doing his thing, trying to be a media personality, uh, a commentator, and a coach. And the coaching thing he had, it would be such a different narrative because we would be asking him if he he never learned that. And I don't understand how he didn't learn that because everybody asked Habib incessantly if he was back everybody asked george incessantly hey when are you coming back when are you coming back every time you can put a mic in front of him when are you coming back nobody asked henry that nobody in the world asked that man when he's coming back because he just kept saying pay me and i'm coming back let me fight that man it would be there would be so much more interest in him coming back there'd be so much more an appeal a build to it everyone would be seeing his praises as a coach on top of it and say, man, he's still got it. Look what he's doing with his mind and as a coach. I would love to see him fight Aljamain Sterling. I would love to see him fight Piotr Jan. Hey, Henry, when are you coming back? And instead, he is just he's just giving it to us. He's just throwing the, the thing, and now we don't want it. It's the stupidest thing ever. He's so bad at this. <laughs> so Hudo didn't even retire after he won the gold medal. You know what he did? He came back, tried to make another one, and lost and yeah. failed to even qualify. He's just – he's so bad at this. Like he, he, he has four of the five steps needed and then just does the exact opposite one in the last moment. It's so mind-numbingly infuriating. Habib has like written the blueprint for you like since October of 2020. George wrote the blueprint like and five George, George also years wrote the ago. It was just, it was that. George did exactly the thing. Just do George for every young MMA fighter. Brian Stan, we posted on, on the site, I think, last week. He had four pieces of advice for MMA fighters. It's great. Go go read it. Honestly, that's just good advice for any human being outside of anybody in a competitive work environment, anything. It's great advice. But Or if you're an MMA fighter, just do what George St. Pierre did. Just look at him and be like, I'm going to do that because that guy did MMA better than anyone else ever has. And if you can take some cues from his career, just do that. And Henry just was like, nah, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm going to do this way dumber thing. (laughs) Uh, We could do this for another 20 minutes, but we're not. We're not going to do that. We're going to give away our point for round three. It goes to... I mean, this th- this is a Jed Mishu round all day. It's two to one. Give me questions that make me angry. Well, I mean, we could talk about this weekend. Hopefully it doesn't make you that angry because the UFC no, is back. Great. Best band weight in the world, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ama- it was amazing on Saturday watching Tyson Fury <laughs> and Dillian White fight in front of ninety five thousand people. Everyone was electric. People were throwing shit in the ring. Like, it was just, what a scene. And then the first thing we see in Las Vegas is an empty apex, and we see Dean Barry almost rip the eyeball of Mike Jackson out of his head. Like, it's just, what a weird thing. I'm glad to see the UFC starting to venture out with these fight nights. They're going to Austin June 18th, so now we're 
We're starting to do a little something traveling outside of the Apex. I get it. It's a moneymaker. It's great to have your own venue, but starting to get a little bit, uh, starting to get a little bit tired of it. But anyways, the UFC is back in that iconic building this Saturday, UFC Vegas 53, the main event, Rob Font versus Marlon Vera, big fight in maybe not the best division in MMA, but certainly the deepest division in MMA. Jose, we begin with you. Your thoughts on UFC Vegas 53, this main event, the card as a whole. Bantamweight's not the deepest division in MMA. It's just, it's not. It's very, Preach. like, one one through 25 is so good, but, like, one through 60 at lightweight is, is also even better. So, yeah, Bantamweight is the flavor of the month and the thing that people like to say when they like to be different. We call them contrarians. It just happens to be the second best division in MMA right now. That's either here nor there because this main event rules. I don't agree that Rob Font is the best Bantamweight in the world, nor does my opponent. He's just, again, going to say it because it's the thing to say right now, and he likes to be different. Marlon Vera is very good. I think I am not quite sold on Marlon Vera being a top seven Bantamweight in the world because I, he was about to lose to Frank Yeager before he front kicked him. Uh, the Jose Aldo fight and the Song Dong fight, I think he lost fair and square. The Song, the Song Dong fight, I know, is a little murky in this and that. I'm also not a big fan of how Marlon Vera handles losing because it's always everyone else's fault and not his. Uh, he also like, if you watch Marlon Vera fights, he does a lot. Of, and I know we like to use the phrase, if you're not cheating, you're not trying or everyone should cheat in MMA and this and that, but no one actually believes that again, they're just saying it because it's the funny thing to say. Don't hit your opponent after the bell. Marlon Vera does that a lot and he gets away with it a lot. He'll throw like a sneaky elbow on the ground and then stand up and walk away. Just don't do it because you're elbowing another human being in the face when you're not supposed to. He also likes to give, the finger to people that's fine but like why are you doing that to frankie edgar it doesn't really make much sense like you're giving it to frankie edgar and then you're hugging him after just keep that same energy bro i don't quite understand that because if you actually look into marlon vera's background his story is actually like pretty fantastic and how he like got into mma and his daughter's medical conditions and this and that and how he's fighting for all that it's great doesn't need all the tomfoolery that goes around but if that's him keep that same energy i guess uh, Rob Font, I thought w- that fight against Jose Aldo is one of the more underappreciated fights of last year. It was obviously the best fight of the night. It wasn't the uh, was the Mallory Martin, uh, Cheyenne Velismus fight. If I was that that card, the Aldo Font card, yep. that was the best fight. It sure was. Aldo Font was the best fight of the night and one of the ten best fights of the year. I would say one of the better bantamweight fights of the last year. Uh, so. I'm excited for him to fight. He's a very good boxer. I'm also excited to see Marlon Vera fight over five rounds because. Rob Font's done it. Can Marlon Vera do it? If, Mar- if Marlon Vera just goes out there and destroys Rob Font, then we got another top five bantamweight in the world. And then, you know what? That fight, that inevitable rematch against Sean O'Malley will be that much more interesting. Now, if Rob Font goes out there and just cal- does what Calvin Cater did to Giga Chikadze, Rob Font just cements himself as not the best bantamweight in the world, but very clearly a top five. So, 10 out of 10 main event. Do I wish fans were in attendance? Sure, but I'm also in the boat that I don't particularly care where this fight takes place. I just want it to take place, and I want them to get paid to do it. I will I will watch them fight in a, in an alleyway. I will watch them fight in front of 100,000 people. I just want to see Rob Font fight Marlon Vera, and I am exceptionally excited for this main event. Man, it's well said. Nicely done. Jed? Is this one you're calling your friends and saying, hey, 
Don't go out. Don't go to the barbecue. Stay home. Watch this event. No. God, God no. Uh, those shouts, it is an earlier one, and I've, I love those because it means, you know, things will wrap at a, a semi-reasonable hour here on the East Coast. Uh, look, the main event's great. Um, I'm going to disagree with Jose on a number of things. First, fully support cheating. I don't support hitting your opponent after the bell because that feels dirty. But like a low blow, that's just part of the game at this point. Um, maybe don't don't go full eye gouge uh, like Barry did. But, you know, cheat. Cheat to win. Get two paychecks. It's what it's all about. Uh, I do support him. That lightweight is the best division. But bantamweight's really fun. It's just not the best because four Bellator fighters are in our rankings, which I think by definition means that division can't be the best division in the world. Uh, but these two Damn. Bantamweights are really good. They're really good fighters. Uh, for There was a time when I thought that maybe Rob Font was low-key the best Bantamweight in the world, and then he got taken to school by Jose Aldo. So he's not. Um, but, you know, he's a top five Bantamweight. Marlon Vera is... Certainly top 15, probably top 10-ish, certainly in that kind of fringy range. Uh, and this is a really great fight. And then because my opponent didn't didn't mention it, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. If you're going to stay in and watch, it's for one reason. It's not the main event, which is a 10 out of 10 fight. It's for the co-main event because the greatest heavyweight of all time, Andre Arlovsky, <laughs> the most successful and accomplished UFC heavyweight of all time. This is math, not opinion. Mike, it is it is fact based on on data and science. Andre Arlovsky is going for his, I believe it's his thirty eighth UFC fight is happening on Saturday. That is an obscene amount of heavyweight fights for one man, and he's doing it again. It's against Jake Collier. That fight itself is probably not going to be the most exciting thing you've ever watched, but you have to respect a man who has 40, damn near 40 times stepped into the actual octagon to fist fight another man who weighs somewhere between 205 and 265 and is going to try and separate him from consciousness. He, he is the greatest, most successful UFC champion of all time, and I will tune in for that if nothing else. It's a classic Jed Mishu pick right there. Also, Jed, you are our, our gambling enthusiast. There's many MMA fighting gambling columns that come out. A little, uh, some history being made on Saturday. Right now, Alexander Romanov, Jed, is a minus 2,200 favorite against Chase Sherman, which I believe, and you might know better than I, he is the biggest favorite heading into a fight in the history of the UFC. I think that's probably correct. Um, also, that line is insane. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I suspect that Alexander Romanov is going to win this fight and probably do so handily. Uh, the man is looking – he's looking svelte these days. God, you can't can't take anything <laughs> away from him. But I, I'm interested because this fight was supposed to happen last week and Chase Sherman was only like a plus 800. He's now like plus 1,200. And I don't know if it's just because – everyone got smarter and was like, Oh, plus 800. That's, he should be a bigger favorite. Or if they were just like, they got scared off by whatever the medical issue that Chase Sherman had that meant he could fight seven days later. But I, I totally meant, meant to say this. We get to watch again, said it last week, brilliant matchmaking, the vanilla gorilla versus King Kong. Like this is, that's a plus 
work from Sean Shelby, and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I like this card a lot. Like, it's not – listen, is it the deepest – star riled card of all time no but there's some really good fights on here there's some storylines that i want to see play out andre feely joe anderson brito is an interesting fight can grant dawson bounce back from the ricky glenn fight against a tough dude in, in jared gordon we get gm3 gerald Mearsharp back in our lives we got what else we got we got Tatsuro be- tyra making his ufc debut i mean this is this is fun christoph jocko gerald Mearsharp may be the fight between the two fighters who i have the most consistently screwed up spelling their names. Like I don't, I don't know who else would be in contention for that that particular award. But I can never spell either of those gentlemen's names correct in the first try. Yeah, Jocko, Jocko is definitely on the list. Uh, real quick, last thing. By the way, before we get to the last quick topic here in regulation, get those question ideas in for the knockout round because it's coming quick. Leave them in the chat. Casey's collecting them. I'm sure. Jose, speaking of history, we got a big one on Saturday. Madison Square Garden, mm. boxing, Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. This is it. These, First of all, let me just say that both of these teams have done a tremendous job promoting this fight. These two ladies have been everywhere on the freaking Today Show. This is what you're supposed to do in combat sports. This is how you introduce these individuals and these fighters to the public. This is how you build stars. You do that. You, do that. you put them on these programs. So – Taking all that aside, as a boxing enthusiast, Jose, this is a historical mm-hmm. fight. Two women selling mm-hmm. out MSG, massive gate, all that. Are you interested in the matchup itself? Like, what about this yeah. matchup itself stands out to you? Well, it's the two best female. It's two of the three best female fighters. I know Clar- Clarissa Shields, if she wants to declare herself, or if people want to tell me that Clarissa Shields is the best female boxer on planet Earth or of all time, I'm not going to argue because she's pretty much done everything you can in boxing. Like she herself said, she could take five years off, go do MMA for five years, come back to boxing, and still be the best. And you know know what she's probably right for that weight class now katie taylor and amanda serrano they sold out madison square garden for a couple reasons one because they are you know like i said two of three best and anytime you get like two of the three best in the same weight class you want to see them fight wouldn't it be crazy if that happened in the heavyweight the men's heavyweight boxing division that would just be bananas wouldn't it if tyson fury fought the winner of anthony joshua versus Usyk, it would be the same thing it's that they're the two best female two of the three best female fighters on the world going for all of the belts amanda serrano i believe is one of three maybe one of four fighters to hold like championships in like four or five six weight classes like her manny pacquiao oscar del hoy and i think she's the only female fighter to do it so she also has wins in jiu-jitsu she also has wins in mma she also even did some pro wrestling and impact wrestling. So she's doing everything. Katie Taylor just happens to be the better boxer, I would say. If you're just looking at the sweet science of boxing, Katie Taylor, if you look at her last fight, maybe the age is catching up to her. She's still one. If Manu Serrano goes out there and tries to get in a boxing match with Katie Taylor, she's probably going to lose because Katie Taylor is one of those rare fighters where she doesn't care if she's on the outside or the inside. She can just win. Amanda Serrano hits very hard and she's very talented. I just think Katie Taylor is a better boxer. Now, if she wants to make this really ugly, the only real path to victory I see for Amanda Serrano, which is there, uh, this is as close to 50-50 fight as I can say. I just favor Katie Taylor to win. But if I'm her coach, you want Amanda, Katie Taylor historically hasn't looked very beatable at all but she has shown some signs of weakness towards 
pressure fighters. So I did say she doesn't mind getting close and like getting the phone booth fight. But if she is on her back foot while trying to fight in a phone booth, she had shown openings to defeat. That is how Amanda Serrano will, could win and should uh, implement her game plan. But at the end of this, if this fight is going to happen, I'm glad it's happening now in front of people in Madison Square Garden. And if we waited like three, four years for this, both ladies would probably be out of their prime. And at that point, I wouldn't be surprised if either lady had lost by then because people are catching up. It's like when Manny Pacquiao fought Floyd Mayweather. That fight should have happened in 2009 because they were both in the primes of their career and they're both on those long losing streaks. I don't want that to happen to circle back with Fury, Joshua, and Usyk. That's why I want this fight now. I don't want that freak show fight. Katie Taylor and Manastrano are doing it right. They're actually co-promoting, which in and of itself is historic with like most valuable promotion matching boxing in Madison Square Garden. So there's a lot of history to be made, but this fight as a pugilistic high-level boxing match checks all of my boxes because it's the one versus two best in this weight class. Also, I think Katie Taylor, if she does win, is the best female boxer of all time. And like I've said a million times, anytime the best does something, I'm going to tune in and watch it. And if Amanda Serrano wins, I fully expect them to run it back maybe even three times. And I think that's what women's boxing is missing. One of these high-level rivalries that can really – because if they fight three times – Every single fight is going to sell out in an arena, especially if they win. The Irish, they travel. Puerto Ricans, they travel. Expect a lot of fights in the crowd and a lot of fights on the streets of New York because the Puerto Ricans are very outspoken and the Irish are very outspoken. So checks all the boxes for a high-level sporting event outside of boxing. This is just a great sporting event. I am very excited for this. But in terms of the actual fight, couldn't ask for a better matchup. Yeah, it's a great fight. Tremendous. Amanda Serrano loves fighting in New York. She uh, she's fought in the theater many of time. She's not been in the actual garden competing. So this will be huge, especially at the top of the bill. Jed, your thoughts on this fight between Taylor and Serrano. Now we get a million-dollar bet between the promoters. Oh, I didn't even see the million-dollar bet. Um, cool, whatever. Uh, yeah, this is really – this this is as good as it gets in, in women's combat sports basically. So uh, – I'm I'm all here for it. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Katie Taylor's the underdog. I mean, getting a little old, that is, but that is shocking for me. But it it it's it's pretty. I would have thought that it would be flip flopped or close to a pick'em. Um, but you know, love that free value. Going to take that free value. Just smash that bet all day. Um, this is easily the best fight of the weekend. The only thing negative that you can say about it is that it's two minute rounds. Um, that's remains very sexist and stupid um but you know we pick our battles can't can't win them all um we're getting uh everything else about this is sensational and i have really nothing to add beyond what jose said because he's pretty much nailed it this fight rules uh they should they should fight three times at the minimum because it will sell out every everywhere the fight will be awesome every time and it it will matter significantly to the sport so uh, this is the thing I'm by far the most excited to watch this weekend. Well said, gentlemen. With that said, point for round four, and hopefully you've been sending in your questions, goes to... I mean, typically when an opponent says, I have not, I don't have anything to add, that's usually good for the other person who said the thing before him. So Jose Youngs gets the point. It is two to two. Shocking development. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. So that's let's go into the knockout round, the mysterious knockout round, because I have no idea what this question is going to be. Casey is here in the bottom right hand corner. Hopefully some questions have come in, some good spicy questions. And once this question pops up on the screen, each individual will have one minute to answer said question. And then we will turn it over to the people who have been voting in the poll that hopefully has been up throughout the show. Casey, what would you like to say? I was going to say, uh, get a little small talking. I'm still waiting for the questions to roll. We got, we got some questions, but I want to, because we're a little bit, people are listening right now. They have a little about 15 second delay. So I want to, you know, mm. get everyone in. So you, know, you can talk okay. amongst yourselves. I will say, I will say we have not discussed in depth the Kamar Usman Canelo Alvarez situation. I will walk not, off. <laughs> <laughs> we, haven't, uh, we haven't talked about what's going on. <laughs> we haven't, I mean, there's some big stories out there. Uh, we have not talked MMA draft. We have not talked MMA draft, which we would certainly do. Uh, there are a lot of things we could talk about. Jake Paul's next opponent. Uh you know, how do we right. fill one of these big pay-per-view slots at this point? We got International Fight Week coming up. No announced main event. We got July 23rd in London. Don't know if that's going to be a pay-per-view or a fight night. We got July 30th. That's supposed to be a pay-per-view. We got so much going on. Okay. We and, got, I, uh, I, think I, I think I picked a question, but before we do that, you do who's going to go first. Okay. Jose was the most recent victor. Mm-hmm. Pulling off the victory over Shaheen Al Shadi, Jose, mm-hmm. you want to go first? Or do you want to pass it? Uh, Jed can go first. All right. All right, going for Jed. Giving first. it to Jed. All right, here we there go. he is. I like I like I this I question. This. I like this question. Mark is zero, dude. Forty-one. Straight up, why was Jed's anime draft so terrible? That's not going to be the official question, but <laughs> my draft was unbelievable. If that's the question, so I haven't even have I haven't listened or what, looked at it at all yet. <laughs> I got two so. of the five biggest stars in MMA, mm. uh, and I have positionless MMA, and I got Tommy Aspinall. <laughs> my draft rule. All right, I have a question. Casey, gonna go. pull up the question. Here we go. One minute on the clock. Oh, oh, I will shit. read the question, and then uh, once I finish reading, we can we can start the timer. I forgot to get my clock ready. I was, There's I was the so clock. busy looking at the questions. All right, Jed's focused. Here we go. Here's the, here's the question. I'm gonna let you read it, Michael. I'll pop it up. All right. As soon as I finish with the question, here we go. Knockout question from Scott McCrate. You are Dana White, Jed Mishu. How do you ensure UFC 274? exceeds 1 million pay-per-view buys go uh i i i don't <laughs> like that's i mean this is a, a great idea I, I love the concept but 
that cake is baked right now. That's that's next weekend. <laughs> what what can I do if I can go uh, I can go kneecap. Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, and hope that Connor wants to fight on a bum leg. Like there's, there's nothing I can do on six days' notice to to make this add six hundred and fifty thousand paper buys to it. Uh, like honestly, there's. I'm, 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 I pulled up the card. I'm looking at it right now. Like you've got two title fights. Don't get me wrong. This card rules. And the third fight down, you've got Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. But for the love of all things, we're bringing Shogun. Who is? <laughs> desiccated carcass out to rematch OSP like this isn't there's nothing to work with here how do you unless Dana wants to fight Tito on this card on four days notice we ain't getting a milli oh wow that That was was a terrific answer that was terrific that was excellent so is Jose getting the same he's getting the same question yeah same same question same question all right Jose Dana White uh you have what? What you have nine days to ensure mm-hmm. that your big pay per view event exceeds mm. a million pay per view buys. Not a lot of time, my friend. <laughs> How do we ensure it exceeds a million pay per view buys? Go. Well, first of all, if I'm Dana White, I pull up my phone and I hit speed dial to Elon Musk because he has a lot of money and I assume has a time machine. So he's going to go back in time with Dana White and pluck a bunch of fighters out from the timeline. Or you know what? The multiverse, because Doctor Strange came out. I just saw everything everywhere all at once. The multiverse obviously exists. So we're going to pluck a bunch of fighters out. We're going to have, you know, Sean O'Malley fight prime Dominic Cruz because, you know, they're both from Phoenix and Tucson. This takes place in Arizona that's a rivalry Henry Cejudo can just fight Jose Aldo you know prime Jose Aldo from the WC that's knocking fool's legs out the main event that can stay because you know those are the two best lightweights in the world we're going to do a million pay-per-view buys without Conor McGregor because we're bringing back Brock Lesnar we're going back in time to that crazy island in Russia where Dana White met Fedor Fedor's coming with us that's now a three-round co-main event because you know title fights get priority over Brock Lesnar and Fedor Melianenko Rose and Carla they can stay there Joanna is now the referee because we went back in time and made her a referee and not a fighter it's all going to happen so let's make it happen I love the avenues both of you took because Jose <laughs> went like full-on cartoon like full-on yeah. 80s early 90s cartoon and Jed went like a Netflix movie starring Kevin James path it was amazing just like pull something out of thin air up. and let's hope it happens I legitimately pulled it up to make sure that 274 was next weekend, and then my mind wasn't like, like playing tricks on me. It was like, there's no way to make this a million in seven days. That was the question. That's why. That's why I love the question. I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. Great question. It's a great question. So vote now. Vote for the next. I don't know, 30 seconds or so. I'll fill time. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. The draft is. It's great to read, but it's more fun to listen to uh, on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. But if you're a visual learner, go check that out, mmafighting.com. It's, uh, it's a long read. It's a long. it's a long listen. It's like an hour and 25 minutes probably, maybe more. But it's who's the first? Fun, very who's perfect. the first pick? I selected Francis Ngannou for Eagle FC just so we could get some of that Tyson Fury money to set us he up got, for the next five John years. Jones in the second round. And I got John so Jones at number two. So not only do I get... How many people were in this draft? Five. Five. Well, you you Mm. wasted your number two pick. Number two pick is never going to fight. 
So you wasted you wasted you wasted your first two picks yeah. on the two best heavyweights in the world that will probably never fight MMA ever again. They're gonna fight. <laughs> They're gonna fight in my world. And right. France is gonna make that Tyson Fury money first, and then we're gonna bank, and then John's gonna come in. And they're going to have the fight. We're going to make that fight happen. And if we don't make it happen, no one's going to make it happen. The the thing is, Mike came out really strong and he he really faltered down the stretch <laughs> in the eyes. No, of not me. at all. Mike does not, not agree, but he he started. I'm building a business. I'm building a business. I'm building a dynasty league. I'm not building a one year fantasy team. I'm I'm taking the Jose Young's fantasy baseball approach. Okay. I'm drafting some powerhouses, but the 60% of my draft picks are guys who are going to be with me for the next decade. My my fantasy baseball team. If you look at my fantasy baseball team, there's a lot of 18 year olds that will not play professional baseball until like 2024. I can't wait till next year when we re, when we reclaim and I'm the victor and I have to take the fifth pick instead of I the got, first pick. I got Masvidal, Poirier, and Max Holloway. I'm covered. I got bangers everywhere. All of those I mean, people I like are going to retire in the next 12 months. I liked the Masvidal pick because people are going to watch. 12 months? Now that's a hot take. Wait, so <laughs> Holloway's, Holloway's going to break the smart cage. Whoa. And then you, you, you... Sorry. Go ahead. Now, were you picking as promoters? Yeah. Okay, so like your PFL, your UFC, PFL. or something. Your PFL. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Max Holloway in the smart cage. What could be better than that? Well, you used a lot of money on those picks, and then when the smart cage inevitably breaks for the three thousand punches that Max Holloway throws, you're going to have no money to fix it. Yeah, but the great thing about the smart cage is we could literally just put up random numbers during the broadcast, mm. and no one will know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have to have one guy exactly. who's like, I don't know, 40. Put that on screen. The draft is be fine. The draft is very fun. My reasonings, I, I listen, I came out so fiery. We made an impact and now we're building our promotion behind the impact that we're making. So go read. I have ex- explanations for all of them. You may not agree with them. A lot of people feel like Showtime MMA, the uh, promotion formerly known as Bellator MMA, was the best draft and it probably was. But it wasn't. It wasn't. More people are watching. More people are going to watch my Eagle FC event. Maybe even Jed's PFL event, if you're being honest. All right. But he does have Connor. But anyways, let's go. We got the votes in. We got the votes in. We here got we the go. votes in. Who gets it done? All right. Here we go. Hold on. I honestly forgot we were doing this. <laughs> we just turned this into we're the going draft, draft, draft show. <laughs> Back in the draft show. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Whew. All right, everyone's votes in. I see him. All right, here we go. Showtime MMA has the better draft. And I didn't even read the rest. I only read the first three. <laughs> well, Your winner. I have to pay oh. Anthony Pettis first, but go ahead. <laughs> Your winner. Oops. Dang, I messed that up. <laughs> Your winner. With 60% of the votes, Mr. Jed Mishu. Mm. Wow, 60% of the vote. Mm. Yeah, Not as much of a nail-biter as it was last week. <laughs> Nicely done. 
I would have totally voted for you, Jose. I love Tom. Yeah, see, Jed yeah, won with true. Jed won with a literal non-answer. You can't. That's my answer. <laughs> that's, that's the true answer. Jed's one of these guys where it's like, who's your favorite Disney prince? And he's like, uh, probably Prince John from Robin Hood. He had four minutes of screen time, and he's just, you know, one of those people that has a non-answer as his answer. <laughs> Jed used baking analogies, and that's all you need. The cake's already been baked, baby. The cake has. I think that's what got it over. (laughs) Well, Jed, you uh, you didn't mean to do this. This was not part of your plan, but uh, you have come through for your Georgia comrade GC. But you did this for yourself selfishly, as you should. So now you have thirty seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I will not say I did this for GC in general because he can fight his own bat- battles. You know, Connor is a grown-ass man. He can fight his own battles. I hope to see him in here fighting with Jose in the near future. Jose deserves that fight. Frankly, I, I, I loved his final answer. Uh, and for me, the only thing I have to say is go go listen to the draft pod. Go read the, the, the draft article. We talked a lot about it. It's honestly the most fun I've had on this site like all year long. And it was one of those things where we weren't going to do a podcast. It was going to be a written article, and then we we spent too much time talking about it. And we're like, oh, we, this obviously we need to just record this. So it's really good. Great vibes. Go enjoy it. And I love you all. It was very fun. Thank you, Jose. We look forward to your coverage with the promoter of Showtime MMA in Phoenix next week. For Bellator 2, or excuse me, UFC 274, we just a million pay-per-view buys, hopefully, and uh, – the the train keeps rolling so yes go listen to the draft it's super fun we'll be back tomorrow 3 p.m eastern for the preview show getting you ready for ufc vegas 52 53 excuse me so many friggin' events and then uh taylor serrano heck of a morning back 8 a.m eastern tomorrow morning free for all friday and then we'll have the uh the people's pre-fight show i believe either 3 30 or 4 p.m eastern we'll let you know on Saturday. But until then, for Jose, for Jed, Casey on the ones and twos, the iconic voice of Esterlin takes you home. I am Mike Keck. See you next week. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. What a delightful surprise. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.